Good morning. morning. It is good to see you today. We have some visitors with us today throughout. Uh, What a wonderful day already. Amen? Amen. I mean, the preacher could say, uh, let's pray for the food and let's go eat right now, right? But but we gotta we gotta eat some of God's word this morning, so we're gonna we're gonna do that as well. But what a wonderful wonderful uh, day today! Those that have, you know, grand, grandfathers and and fathers were able to baptize their grandchildren. That's, I just think that's, I mean, that's just the tops. Trust me, it is. And uh, I'm just so thankful. And I know we're all celebrating. And you know, as we were tearing up back there as things were going on, and and talking to one of the mothers there, and just you know. There's nothing better than knowing, nothing better than knowing that your children's names are written in the Lamb's book of life. You know, if you're a Christian, you believe that with all your heart because you know there's an eternity, there's a place that God is, or Jesus is preparing. And, and you know, we only get to live so long here on this earth and it is up to God and we understand that, but to know that you know that someday eternity awaits for your family, not only yourself, but your family, man, it gives you a great peace. And so um, those of you that have small children, continue to teach them in the Lord, and we're going to talk about that today in light of our baby dedication here at Western Hills, which we've been doing now for as long as I've been here, and that's almost 25 years. And uh, we choose to do it on this uh, Sunday of the year, and I think it's a wonderful thing that we do. and You know, I was thinking about that this morning. I was, I was sitting here, here praying earlier, and, and I thought to myself, some of you here in this room, your children were this small, and now they're 20, 25, 24, 23 years old, and they're all grown up. That's just, man, that makes me feel old, to tell you the truth. But that is so good, such a good thing that we do. Thank you, elders, for doing that for us and allowing us to do that and taking time to do that. But in keeping light of our series that we've been on for this year, actually, is the spiritual growth of our lives. I want to talk to you today about one of my favorite words to talk about, and that is the word of encouragement. Encouragement. All of you wonderful parents up here, for instance, all of you up here, you certainly want, we want to encourage you to raise your children in, in, this, in a godly manner. Certainly, that's why we do this. We, we support you and we want to encourage you in the days and the weeks and the months and the years to come to the good, the bad, and yes, even the ugly, because oftentimes that comes as well. But to help you do that are the exact same things that we've been discussing over the past few weeks together. Let me give you an example as I move through those real quickly just to set the stage for those that may have missed, but to catch us up, but also to remind us, because if the Word of God is true, it's true every day, amen? And I can never get enough of it. All right. One of the first thing that we talked about was, for example, is we talked about the deciding to grow spiritually. One has to make a decision to decide to grow spiritually. And 2018, for all of us, the challenge was to make a decision that I want to grow spiritually and then do something about that, make that happen in our lives. Parents, one of the things that you are called to do now that you have this child and brought this child into the world is to teach them about Jesus Christ. It's to teach them about the love of God. And you have to make that decision, and we encourage you to make that decision early because Scripture tells us and assures us in Proverbs 22, and many of us hang on to that verse, when you teach a child when they're young, when they're old, they will not depart from it. Amen? 
And so we know that we instill in them, and you have to make a decision. They will someday make a decision, uh, and we pray that they will for Jesus to be the Lord of their life. But until then, it is your decision that will shape their lives, and we encourage you to do just, just that. Decide, and we encourage you to do so, first thing. The second area that we talked about was God's love. God's love for all of us, but God's love in us, out of us, to other people around us. His first command is, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He commands us to do that. There's a reason why. is because when we fall in love with God, and the more we fall in love with God, the more we can love each other in our lives. There is no doubt. Now listen, God loved you enough to give you this child, to give you these children. He loved you enough to, 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 for you to be able to care for them in your life. And the best thing you can do is to teach them His love in their life. Now, we don't have to teach you to love your children. That comes naturally, of course. We all do. When our children get here, we're, we're in love with them instantly, and they're ours, and we're the ones that are saying, this, mine is the best. No, mine is. Mine's the best. Because we love them, no matter what. We love them for who they are and what God has blessed us with. But in all of this, God wants you to know in this that He He loves you enough. And the more you love God, the better you can love your children. The more you can love your children. Scripture teaches that. Love is important in their life. And so we talked about that. And the next area we talked about was studying the Word of God and the importance of that to grow us spiritually. And we know that we need that in our lives and the challenge that was there. Now, as parents, you you want your child always to be healthy and wise. There's no doubt. All of you, if we were to ask you this morning, would, would say, yes, I want my child to be healthy and wise in those things. There's no doubt about that. The best place to start for that and all that to start is not in the classroom at school, my friend. It's at the feet of Jesus. Oh, education is important and get the best that you can and try to instill all those things that you can. But I promise you and I promise you and I promise you the most valuable course that they can take is in the written word of God. It imparts to them not only good things, but it imparts to them eternal life. It imparts to them a treasure untold in Proverbs chapter 2. It tells you if you search for it as you would silver and gold, these things are yours. And so studying the word of God is valuable for them. And Deuteronomy, it says, fix these words of mine on your hearts and your minds. And then in verse number 19, it simply tells us there, teach them to your children. Teach them when you talk about them, when you're sitting at home, when you're having your dinner together, or when you're on your way to the ball game or a dance recital or whatever it happens to be. Make sure that you impart the Word of God to your children. God encourages us to do that, and we want to encourage you to do that as well. And then finally, last week, we talked about prayer. Prayer is the important in our lives. It's the communication of what we have with God. God allowed us permission to talk to Him. The creator of all life and the sustainer of life allows us to visit with Him as often as we like. He's available 24-7. He's available all day in our lives. And it's the communication. I want to encourage you to pray over your children. I'm sure that you do. I want you to pray over your children, encourage you to do so, and when they are old enough, pray with your children. One of the most, one of the most beautiful things you can experience in your life 
is to pray with your children not only when they are young, but when they are adults as well. There is nothing like it to have a child or to, to, to now an adult to call you or when they're visiting with you and they simply say, Dad, let's just pray about that. That is a blessing to your life. Mom, have you prayed about that? Maybe we need to take time to pray about that, Mom. Remember when I was little, Mom, and you taught me to pray and you prayed with me, Mom? Now I want to pray with you. The value of that is a blessing in our lives, especially as we get older. You know, all parents love to brag on their children's first words. They want them, the moms always want it to be mom, dads always want it to be dad, and grandparents want it to be papa, nina, whatever it happens to be, right? We do that. Anybody out there? Sure you know. You know what I'm talking about. Na, na, ba, ba, ga, ga, do, do, I don't know what it is. But we say something. But you know, this is what I long to hear someone say, because I'll ask people that. What's your child's first words? If you pray with your child early enough and talk to them about Jesus long enough, even when they're little, listen, they're listening to you. Oh, yes, they're listening. Could it be that one day, one day, one day, that I hear someone say, you know, my child's first words were, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome? Because there's no sweeter name than the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right. Now let's quickly talk about encouragement. Again, one of my favorite words to talk about. I just love that. It puts a smile on my face, lifts me up, because I look out in the crowd and I see people that are encouragers. Now, the truth is I don't see all of that, but most of the time I see a lot of encouraging going on. You're up there and you're looking at me like, what in the world is this guy talking about? And sometimes you're just smiling and you're just nodding your head up and down. And I don't know if that's a yes, we're going to lunch pretty soon, son. I I don't know what that is, but it encourages me nonetheless. I tell the elders all the time, I'm going to get one of those video cams, you know, where you put it on your hat. I have one one, uh, that Chad bought me when we go deer hunting. I'm going to get one of those, clip it on my bill of my hat, and I'm going to just point it out there, and you're going to be on that big screen right up there. And I'm going to just point right at you. I'm going to go, hey, wake up out there. You're going to see yourself there. And everybody be smiling, you know. It's not going to be a kiss camera, but it's just going to be one of those encouraging cameras, okay? Speaking words of encouragement are never wrong, and we all need it. All of us do. There's an old story about a preacher leaving a church. Uh, don't say amen. But uh, there's an old story about this preacher leaving a church. Maybe he was getting ready to retire. I don't know what the deal was. But nonetheless, it was his farewell dinner, if you will. And he tried to encourage one of the founding members there who looked very, very sad. He went up to her, patted her on the hand and said, Oh, sweetheart, it'll be okay. Don't, don't, don't worry. The next preacher might even be better than me. To which she simply said, yeah, that's what they said when you came here, but it just keeps getting worse and worse. (laughs) Uh, That wasn't very nice and it wasn't very encouraging. When I left Kentucky to go in to move to Texas, I was working for the post office at the time. And the church that I left at the time They weren't very encouraging. In fact, they told me that I was pitching my tent towards Sodom and Gomorrah. 
I had a choice to make when I heard those words. And for the longest of time, I chose wrongly. I was upset. But it didn't take long for me to realize that the church that I was going to down in Texas was a loving church, a caring church, a grace-filled church, a joyful church, a praising church. And I found my encouragement. We all need encouragement, all of us. All these little children up here today that you see all throughout their lives are going to need encouragement. I don't care if they live to be 100 years old, they're going to need encouragement in their lives. These kids that ran out the doors there to go to Sunshine Express, they need encouragement in our lives. And every single one of you need encouragement. You do. I pray that you get it. And I pray that every time you come through those doors that you get a little bit of encouragement. Because I know what it's like, and some of you do know what it's like to go somewhere and not be encouraged that day, but to be beat up that day. The world beats me up enough. I want to be an encourager through Jesus Christ. There are those who breathe life into your life. I have a list of about 20 or 30 individuals. Now, a lot of people encourage me, but 20 or 30 people that have actually, in my life, looking back, that I could see at the right moment, God put them in my life for an encouraging moment, starting with my fifth grade teacher, Mr. Morris. Just an encouraging word that made me feel like I wasn't as bad as what everybody said I was. Moved in my teenage years, of course, and uh, Brother Austin Mobley, the man that, uh, that, that married Don and I, did our ceremony and in 76, and, and what a wonderful and powerful impression he made on my life. Little did I know at the time as a teenager sitting there saying, why in the world my mom make you come to these two-week gospel meetings? But he impacted my life with encouragement by pointing at me and saying, one day you might be a minister. I said, yeah, right. All throughout my life and going to Texas again, Jack Cummings was there and his powerful influence in my life. Of course, my mom was the greatest influence in my life. There's no doubt about that. You know how much I talk about her. But certain people, Carol Rogers was one who just imparted that. They remind you of how good God is. They just remind you of it over and again. They, They call you to live up to the best that you can be, that God has for your life. When you're around those folks, you find your anxiety going down and down and down. And in the process, your hope and a sense of trust and faith just goes up and up and up. And you just feel lifted up, encouraged, encouraged, filled up with encouragement. They just fill your tank, don't they? Filling your tank. Um, Anybody here ever run out of gas driving a car, automobile? Anybody? A few of us. I did one time, but man, this was good. I ran out and I coasted right into the pump. That's cutting it close, folks. But the only problem is when I got out, (laughs) I was on the wrong side of the pump. It was bad, embarrassing. You know, we filling our tanks. Now, some people do like my grandson does. Ding, ding, ding. I got another 50 miles. Anybody? And some of you are like, you know, if it's half full or half empty, whichever you choose, you start looking for a gas station because you're thinking, like, and I'm running low on fuel. 
The reason why I mention that is this, is because like our automobiles, we as people also have fuel tanks. We do. Now, if God wants us to be filled, and he does, according to John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes, I have come, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to its full. So if God wants us to be full and filled up, there must be a measure in which I can be filled. There must be something within me. And you know, the great thing about that statement is this, you decide how much you receive. You do. When you go to the Circle K or whatever you go to, if you go to the Circle K and you want a fountain drink and you get an 8-ounce cup and I get a 64-ounce cup, we can both get Coke. The only difference is I get more than you get because I chose to get more than you did. And that is exactly the way I believe that God works in our lives. Again, deciding to do that, but you see, I decide how much of the fullness of God I get. Every single day, I get a chance to to grab a big gulp or an 8-ounce cup. I'm tired of 8-ounce cups, folks. The great thing about a big gulp with God, (laughs) you don't have to worry about the sugar intake. It's good for you. And New York says you can have all you want. All right, everyone you know has a fuel tank. I want you to know that. And it's the inner being, it's the spirit within us. There's a gauge in us as well. There's a gauge, and you know there's a gauge. How do I know that? It's because when you look into the eyes of someone you, that you know, you can tell instantly whether they're running on, fume, uh, running on fumes or if they're full. You teachers out there, when you see your students and you know them well and you call them by name and you know them day after day after day, you look into their eyes and you can tell something's going on in this one. We see it in our children, we see it in our mates, we see it in our friends, we see it in our our members at our church and friend families here at church. We're looking at, and even when you look in the mirror, you can tell whether you're running on empty or you're full. You may walk out of the bathroom after you look into those eyes and know that you're running on empty and pretend that you're on full, but you know deep down inside you are running on empty. In those spirits, in those internal tanks, if you will, are that they are there for a reason. They're there for us to be filled up. I mean, it would be great if you could just run down to the service station, remember the old days, ding, ding, and hey, fill her up, buddy. would be great if we could do that in our spiritual lives, wouldn't it? But the truth is we know better than that. We know it doesn't work like that. Or does it? Isn't it supposed to? This is where we come in. This is where we stand out. We are the filling stations of the world. That's what we're to be, no doubt. There's no doubt about it. So what is it that we need to be filled with? Of course, we talked about it. We need to be filled with God's love. We need to be filled with prayer, communication with God, even the study of God's word that we talked about a couple of weeks ago so that we have a life and discover that we have a life worth living because when you know that you have a life worth living, something clicks and your tank starts to get filled up. And there's something special about that. There are some people of course, who will fill your tanks, and others who empty or drain you just as quickly, don't they? 
my advice is get away from those as often as you can. Sometimes you can't because you might be married to one. But nonetheless, try to move away from those as much as you can. Stay away from that, that discouragement and get to the encouragement in life. Why do I say that? Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. What you say makes a difference. It can lift up or tear down. I will tell you, you go to the jails and there's a lot of bad people in jails, and I understand that. There's a lot of corruption in, in, in jails. And they decide, and I understand that. But if you did a survey, I would say that you're going to find out somewhere early on in their life they did not have the encouragement that they needed to help make good decisions. We all make bad decisions. Some are worse than others. Some are hot behind bars because of it. But you see in that life and death, the person that you speak to, the child that you speak to, the one that you say everybody else has given up on and, and you're about to send them to this special class that is just really, get them out of here. But the words that you might say, like, I understand there's a time when the line is drawn and you need to move them out so others can get on about learning. I understand that. But looking into the eyes, I will promise you, you're looking at a guy in the fifth grade, I was ready to give up. And Mr. Morris a man that was in Vietnam and a man that was captured and spent over two years in prisons there made a difference in my life by just saying the right words, making a difference. They lift you up. John Maxwell said, people can be the wind beneath your wings or the anchor on your boat. Are you the wind or the anchor in people's lives? You get to decide that. You do. God's word is intended. It is intended to, to be the wind, the oxygen for the soul, if you will. And I love that fact. In Romans chapter 15, verse number 4, it says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. You see, God gave us his word, remember now, to teach us. Why do we teach our children? We teach them so that they know better. So that they can stay away from trouble. So that they'll be knowledgeable. They'll be wise about their decision making. And God says, I've written everything down so that it will teach you. That means you have to get to it. So that through endurance, time, it takes time with all different levels. That's okay. Of the, and watch this. Endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Isn't that great? He's saying, if you get in my word and you read my word, you're going to find hope. You're going to find something that can change your life. It's going to be something that will give you life. It's going to be something that will fill you up. It's not going to beat you down. It will convict you if you have sinned. But when you ask for forgiveness, you can walk out and be refreshed because you're filled once again. Asking for forgiveness is like getting your your fuel filter changed, if you will. It's pristine now, ready to go, ready to go. Many of you are here today because someone encouraged you. Isn't that right? Someone encouraged you as a mom or dad or an aunt or an uncle, maybe a grandma or grandpa, or maybe a friend that encouraged you along the way. Someone that just took a little bit of time to talk with you, to pray with you, and that's why you're here today. Have you taken the time to encourage others? I received information not long ago about a young lady that I baptized some 15, probably 20 years ago now. And in that time, or in that, uh, you know, information I got, She's now married, and she has uh, uh, two or three children, and her and her husband are missionaries. And I thought that was just wonderful. 
Well, she told her mother, she said, if you ever see that Harley Davidson again, you make sure you tell him thank you for encouraging me to love the Lord. That's encouraging. What do you think I said after that lady told me that? Well, it's all right, I'm glad for you. I was like, man, I'm walking on cloud, man. I was six foot three, right? All right, six two, but never mind. See, you never know that you will make a difference, but you're called to. All Christians are called to encourage. Every single one. You may not have the gift of singing, but sing anyway, the Lord says. But listen to me. You may not be able to do all the other things. You may not be able to speak before people and all those things. But you are called to encourage. Question is, are you? Are you? There was a guy in the New Testament. His name was Joseph. He was such an encourager that the apostle said, we're going to change your name to Barnabas. And he brought many people to the Lord by encouraging others that were teaching about the Lord. That's how it works. He had a hand in all of that. Just these encouraging words. When they saw Barnabas coming, they couldn't wait. Here comes the son of encouragement. Here comes encouragement. Boy, here comes Barnabas. Can't wait for him to get up there, man. He really lights us up. He doesn't give us hellfire and brimstone. He gives us encouragement. I can see the apostles longing to be around him because when they felt like it was a bad day, we don't know what's going to happen. Boy, we're going to get persecuted. Yeah, but God is good. I just see Barnabas being that encourager encouragement. Your encouragement can bring people to the Lord as well, and it should. Does it? Has it? Will it? Is the question. It's truly the question. If you want to grow spiritually, listen to me closely. If you want to grow spiritually, you have to learn to be an encourager. You do. An encourager leaves a trail of lives changed for the better. When you look back on the trail of your life, just take a look over your shoulder and you can go back there real quick like that. Can you simply say that I left people in a ditch or did I encourage people? Are people following you or are people laying out because of you? There's one of two reasons. And you've decided to be an encourager or a discourager. I've had people say, we put them in our place. Let's go to lunch. And I have seen others break down and cry like babies to win people back to the kingdom. Hebrews chapter 3 says this, But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. And I love that is because why daily? It is because I need it daily. But because... It's never not today. It's always today. You can't get yesterday back and tomorrow's never come. Because when they get here, you call them today. So it says for us to encourage each other daily as long as it's called today. That means we have to continually encourage each other. Continually. All right. Here's the challenge. Because you see, I'm giving you challenges throughout this series of messages for a reason. It's going to help you mark whether you're growing spiritually or not, just like a good coach does. Today we're going to, we're going to run 
six wind sprints. Start practice. See who's falling out already. Tomorrow we're going to move it to 10. See who's falling out. Then we're going to move it a little bit further. A little bit further. A little bit further. And condition it a little bit more and a little bit more. And then when the season gets here, they're conditioned. They're ready to play. And all good coaches realize one thing. When they're coaching on the sideline, they look on the field and they can tell whether or not we're in the game because they are not in condition. All we got to do is hang on. Fourth quarter's coming. Fourth quarter's coming. Fourth quarter's coming. And they know what that means. We are conditioned for the game. If the coach simply said, well, we ran three sprints today. A couple of kids got a little sick, so let's just go home. and ah, Skip tomorrow, too. Maybe come in Thursday, maybe. Let's take it easy. They're going to get slaughtered. And so they put these benchmarks out there, and that's what these challenges are to do so that you can actually see where you've done that. And then after the game, and when you see that, and the coach comes back to the locker room and he tells his students or his players, he simply says, see, that's why we ran those back in August or June or July, whatever the time frame was. That's why we did those things. And the kids, it clicks. It clicks. Doesn't click so quick with the freshmen, does it, coach? Not so much. They're like, oh, this is terrible. But those sophomore, or especially juniors and seniors, that's why they become your leaders, because they realize June and July are tough. But they're necessary if we want to win. So they push those sophomores and those freshmen a little bit more. Good ministers do that as well. So I challenge you. What's the three challenges? What's the challenges? First challenge is read your Bible five minutes a day. That's not too big of a challenge. Five minutes a day, read your Bible. If, can you do that? And somebody's saying, I already missed out on a three or four, five, six of those things, and so I'll just start it next year. No, start it today. Today's the day. Someone I was talking to the other day, and he said, I forgot. I said, you got any apps on your phone? And he said, yes, I do. I said, how many you got? He said, oh, I've got dozens, fishing, hunting. i got everything, weather, everything. I said, you got a Bible app? He said, no, Bible app. I said, no, you don't. I said, put a Bible app on your phone. I'm going to help you out here. Put this Bible app on your phone. And this is what I love about it, because I love for people to read the Bible to me. And so I said, every day on your way to work or wherever it is, if you're 10 minutes from work or 20 minutes from work, guess what? Push that app, push that button, it reads for you. 20 minutes in. Wow. I can do that? <laughs> sure you can. I had someone also tell me this past week about them reading. They said, you know what? I, I, I looked up the other day. This is true. I looked up the other day and I read for over 20 minutes. And I said, duh, that's what I've been telling you. You see, when you read the Word of God, you get thirsty for the Word of God. And when you get thirsty for the Word of God, you don't realize how much you're drunk. You're just thirsty. Spiritual growth. That's a sign of spiritual growth. The second one I said, pray five times a day. Pray in the morning when you get up. Pray when you go, before you go to work. Pray at work. Pray when you're headed home so your mind is right. And then pray in the evening five times a day. You don't have to pray five hours a day, but five times a day. You can do that. We all can do that. Yeah, sweet, sweetheart of a lady told me on Wednesday night, just Wednesday night, she said, Harley, you know, I was praying that five times a day, but you know what I discovered? I said, what's that? I knew what she was going to say before she said it. You know what she said? I find myself praying a lot more than five times a day. I said, duh, there we go again. You're growing spiritually. And isn't it wonderful to know that? It marks you. See, now I used to run three wind sprints. Now I'm running 10. Woohoo! That's great. Keep on growing in the Lord. Give me an amen. amen. 
Here's the third challenge for you. And the third challenge is this one is going to help or allow some of you or maybe cause some of you, I should say, to step outside of your comfort zone. And someone right now saying, oh, that's what I don't like, Harley. I don't like moving out of my comfort zone. Oh, Harley, you're scaring the bejeebers out of me. That is precisely what spiritual growth is all about. It's to move us beyond where we are. It's a thing called faith, which is another word we're going to get to in a few weeks, another one of my favorite words. It's about faith. So I encourage you to make some type of contact with someone every day, somehow, some way to encourage them. Encourage someone. Not only your kids, but somebody outside. Somebody maybe from within this church. Make a commitment that I'm going to encourage someone. Here's, here's, here's one for you maybe. Maybe this week I'm going to challenge myself to encourage three people from this body right here. Three people from maybe within a 30-foot circle of what you're setting every Sunday. How are you going to do that? Well, we have a simple chirp, church app uh, that you can put on your phone. And if you've given us the information, it's on there. And you can... How many... Does anybody... Text anybody during the week. Raise your hand. I want you to be honest. Raise your hand. Anybody text? Anybody Facebook? Anybody Twitter? (laughs) Right? All right. Now listen to this. So during the week, what do you text? What do you talk about? The latest things that are going on. And there's a bunch of garbage out there. Someone's saying, well, I'm talking about, man, them Democrats got everything messed up. Them Republicans are all messed up. You know what? You're right. They're all messed up. But my God is a good God. Let's brag about God. Something encouraged something in their life. Say, I saw you at church on Sunday. It was great to see you. Or I didn't see you at church Sunday. I hope to see you this Sunday. Encouraging words. Say something to three people this week. And then next week, do those same three people and three more. And let's just see how much you grow in that. Before you know it, you'll be just texting people, man, they're on my list. Man, I'm just encouraging them every day. There was a lady that texted me. She doesn't even go to this church anymore. Years now, she hasn't gone to this church. Every single day, she texts me. And man, I mean, this isn't like, hey, have a great day, Harley. This is like a book of encouragement, always connected with the Scripture. Encouraging words make a difference in our lives. Simple acts of kindness pay great dividends in your spiritual walk with God. Give me an amen closing out. So my encouragement for all of us today is to become encouragers of people because that's what God has called us to do. Fill their tanks with hope and joy and peace and mercy and grace and love because that's what God's called us to do. Now listen closely if you are not a child of God and you're thinking, yeah, I've heard this before. I've been to a church and they're kind of called this. and Listen, just listen closely. That's all I want you to do. Just listen. If you are not a child of God, we want to encourage you today. I want to personally encourage you today and let you know that before you leave this place, you can be a child of the Most High God. Today. Profess that the Lord is Lord. Repent of your sins. Experience the new birth as these did this morning. And and, and leave this place encouraged knowing that you have God as your Savior that you have eternal salvation. That's our encouragement for you. And in doing so, trust me, it will encourage us. But maybe, just maybe, 
you've already done that. In fact, I look across this room and probably 95% of you have already done that. I've already put my trust in him. I've already accepted him. I've already been baptized. I've already done those things. But we are human and we get off track sometimes. There's a story in the book of 2 Chronicles, Old Testament, chapter 32. It's about a king, Hezekiah. Now, as you know, all the kings in the Old Testament, most of them, majority of them, were bad kings. They were horrible. They were evil, in fact, many of them. They did not follow the Lord and his teachings. Well, Hezekiah was a little bit different. He was truly blessed by God, no doubt. You can read that in Scripture. And he even was blessed with great wealth from God. Great wealth. It's amazing how God blessed him. But watch this. In this, all this time, though, he got off track. He got off track as well. He became very ill during this time. And in this, you see what happened. He became very prideful in his heart, the Scripture says. But in verse number 26, it says that he repented. Then Hezekiah repented of the pride of his heart. That is powerful. He repented of that. You see, we are like this at times in our lives. And perhaps that's where you're at in your life right now. We get going along and we're doing pretty good and we get full of self and before we know it, we get out of whack a little bit. We get out of shape a little bit. We're not where we were last year. We're we're not quite where we were a few months ago. It happens to the best of us. It happens to the king and it happens to us. But the good news is that if we will do like the king did, If we will do like the king did and repent, God will forgive us and we too can get back on track. Now that's encouraging. You don't have to stay there. And that last scripture, so speak encouraging words to one another. And I pray today that you've received encouraging words. Build up hope so that you'll all be together in this. We are in this together. These children up here and these babies up here and these mommies and daddies, we're in this together because we're in Christ and Christ alone do we stand. So I want to encourage you today, if you have a prayer request or a prayer need, you know exactly what it is. Today, if you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know you do. We're going to sing this song just for you. You come together as we stand and sing. How do you explain? How do you describe a love that goes from east to west and runs as deep as it is wide? You know all our hopes. Lord, you know all our fears. And words cannot express the love we feel, but we long for you to hear. So listen to our hearts, hear our spirits sing, a song of praise that flows from those you have redeemed. We will use the words we know to tell you all Awesome God you are But words are not enough To tell you of our love So listen to our hearts If words could fall at grave From these lips of mine And if I had a thousand years Lord I would still run out of time 
listen to our hearts. Every beat will say, thank you for the life, thank you for the truth, and thank you for the way. So listen to our hearts. Hear our spirit sing a song of praise that flows from those you have redeemed. We will use the words we know to tell you what an awesome God you are. The words are not enough to tell you of our love, so listen to our Words are not enough to tell you about So listen to our heart.